It's the most wonderful time of the year. Whoa, folks. We are after post Thanksgiving. We are now jumping in to Christmas time or whatever you happen to celebrate. And let me tell you, I had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, we had the Thanksgiving Day victory between the San Francisco 49ers over the Seattle Seahawks, pushing them further and further up into the NFC West standings, just two games now behind the Philadelphia Eagles for the number one seed in the entire NFC. The Detroit Lions lost, catapulting San Francisco to the number two seed now in the conference. I'm a massive WWE fan. We had Randy Orton come back. We had CM Punk return for what just felt like was never, ever going to happen. And I hope you had just as good, as great of a Thanksgiving holiday as I did because of all the things I just mentioned, the most important one, no, it wasn't the turkey or the dressing, stuffing, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, whatever you stuffed your face with, the greatest gift, the best thing there happened to be done this past Thanksgiving in 2023 was eating that turkey, eating that mashed potatoes, on the Seattle Seahawks 50-yard line in Seattle at Lumen Field when the San Francisco 49ers took it to the Seattle Seahawks 31-13. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been 40. Could have been 50. Could have been however many points you want to say they didn't score in that game. But I'll tell you this, folks, right now, the San Francisco 49ers are riding high. We're feeling good. And if you want to talk about entering the best time of the year, the holly jolly Christmas time, the San Francisco 49ers are peaking at the right time and we're all feeling pretty good like Michael Buble because right now the Niners are surging and this Sunday they will take on the Seattle Seahawks, now I believe two and a half point favorites on the road in Seattle. What a wonderful, great weekend it was for the San Francisco 49ers. And, and and look, I can't think of a Thanksgiving in recent memory that I sat back and said, wow, uh, that may have been one of the best uh, I've gone through, I've lived through. And my birthday is tomorrow. We celebrated my birthday. I got a brand new Drake Greenlaw jersey. I got some new shoes. But again, the greatest gift for my birthday this year may have been a San Francisco 49er win in Seattle on Thanksgiving, and this win felt like, I don't want to say monkey off the back like Steve Young, but it certainly felt like San Francisco had ended a curse, or maybe along those lines, right? San Francisco now is 4-0 in their last four games against the Seahawks. They're 2-0 in their last two games in Seattle, and they've won two games in Seattle for the first time literally ever. Yes, ever. <laughs> that just feels wrong to say, but it's the truth. And I know we're about four or five days removed from Thanksgiving night. It's the first time since 1972 the San Francisco 49ers have celebrated a Thanksgiving Day victory. To give you some, uh, to, to show you how crazy that is, my brother was two years old the last time the Niners won on Thanksgiving Day. My father was like 12 years old 
don't ask questions. It's stepfather, stepson stuff. You get it, right? 12 years old on the date when they won their last Thanksgiving Day game. The now Las Vegas Raiders were in L.A., then in Oakland, then in L.A., then in Oakland, and now Las Vegas. They've moved three times since the Niners have won on Thanksgiving Day. A phenomenal day victory uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. And look, anytime you beat an opponent by 18 points, especially when it's an NFC West rival, especially when it's the Seattle Seahawks, uh, there isn't much more you can say, but let's freaking go. The defense was great in this game. I mean, they were just all over the field. Whether it was Eric Armstead getting what it felt like uh, one sack in this game, continuing his strong, uh, months-long performance. Javon Hargrave getting a sack and a half, always being in the backfield. Nick Bosa getting two sacks himself. Uh, this defense came to play. They knew they could take it to the Seahawks. And not to pat myself on the back here, but I told you. I mentioned it. I said, look, there is no way the Seahawks should be able to hang with the San Francisco 49ers. In fact, my prediction was only three points off. I said 31 to 16. This defense said, no, no. Uh, we are not going to allow a single touchdown from the Seahawks offense. Geno Smith did nothing in this game. Tyler Lockett did nothing. Zach Charbonnet did nothing. And I told you, this Seattle team feels like frauds. They don't, they, they feel like one of the most fraudulent, quote-unquote, legit contenders in the entire league. Almost every single thing I said coming into this game against Seattle came true. And I get it, you're thinking, Sterling, we're five days beyond this, we're past it, uh, it's the holidays, give me a break here. I'm sure you're out there, you were too stuffed to listen anyways, but I'll just say this, what Mooney Ward did to DK Metcalf, holding him, holding DK Metcalf, one of the better receivers in the entire league, to just three catches and 32 yards and no touchdowns, Mooney Ward was lock-freaking-down in this game true number one cornerback stuff and when you know that Kyle Shanahan was the reason or had told Mooney Ward you're gonna follow and, and, and mirror and shadow DK Metcalf the entire game first off how often do you hear a head coach offensive minded one uh come into the defensive meeting and say hey Mooney uh I don't know what Steve Oaks told you but I'm going to pitch the idea you shadow DK Metcalf and have it work. Uh, Mooney Ward was great in this game. Shut down DK Metcalf, locked down cornerback all day long. Ambry Thomas was great in this game. Got an interception himself. Um, that's in th four games, three games now. He has two takeaways, the fumble recovery and forced fumble in Jacksonville. Now the option against the Seahawks. Ambry Thomas has been great since taking over starting cornerback John from Isaiah Oliver, moving Lenore back inside. Lenore's been good. Um, talked about how the Seattle offense, Lenore and Lockett was going to be a matchup you want to see. With Thomas on the outside playing great, you take off Isaiah Oliver's 4'6 uh, speed. You now get on Amber Thomas's 4'4 speed. Uh, your cornerbacks can now hang with the shiftier and quicker uh, receivers of the Seattle Seahawks and the opposition. You move the Lenore inside, 
He, by all means, shut down Lockett as well. It was as if the Seahawks didn't know what to do offensively. It was like the Niners had their playbook. That's how insane this was. The only touchdown Seattle scored in the entire game was a pick six, which we'll dive into Brock Purdy in a second here, but the Seattle Seahawks, they didn't come to play. They looked like a shell of who they were supposed to be and who they were last year. This was just an all-out, all-encompassing route by the San Francisco 49ers. It felt like every single play Geno Smith was being pressured. Every single play he was running for his life. It felt like the Niners just came in to Lumen Field and knew the Seahawks had no business being on the same field as them. And I even said coming into this game that the San Francisco 49ers should be able to crush the Seahawks and... I do think the Thanksgiving night win in Seattle was essentially, without it actually being the case, essentially the Niners locking up the entire NFC West, San Francisco 3-0 in the division as we speak. The Seahawks are now 1-3 in the division, uh, completely ruining their chances to fight back. And I, I told you this too, that San Francisco has a chance to completely push the Seahawks almost out of the entire NFC wildcard picture. They lost against the Rams. They lost against San Francisco. They got to play Philadelphia still. They got to play Dallas still. And they got to play us still. There's a good chance San Francisco, if they win in two weeks against Seattle, that they're looking at the Seahawks being under 500. And, and when it's all said and done, at the end of December, they could be 6-8 and eight on the outside looking in on the NFC playoff picture wildcard seating, and wouldn't that be a great Christmas gift to knock off and knock out the Seattle Seahawks? Oh, the division is wrapped up. It's over with. It's done. The Rams aren't good enough to come back. Seattle isn't good enough to come back. Now we have the tiebreaker. The Cardinals stink. It's over with. San Francisco 49ers have essentially already wrapped up a playoff spot. We knew coming into the year, that was going to be the case. They just had to get it done. And on, what, November 24th, they did it. It's over. The Niners are going to the playoffs. The division is wrapped up. It's all done. Now, we have our eyes set towards the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday. And no, it's not going to be a preview pod today, but I just want to talk about how momentous this moment is. It feels like a century ago that the Niners lost to Philadelphia in Philadelphia during the playoffs, the Brock Purdy injury game. We all know what it felt like. You go back and watch the NFL Films footage, you hear George Kittle, the pain in his voice, trying to rally the troops when it's Josh Johnson out there saying, hey guys, just believe we can do this. It's on us, knowing that it was over. Now, Philadelphia just played 92 snaps on defense against Josh Allen, in the Buffalo Bills offense at home, rainy, muddy weather, took it to OT. They gave up over 500 yards offensively, over 170 yards on the ground, 5.5 yards per play. I'm telling you, this is a momentous occasion. Buffalo Bills didn't get the win. They aren't a great team. They should have won a handful of times. The rest were involved in that entire game. It just was an awful thing to watch. Uh, and you hope that doesn't happen this Sunday in Philadelphia. But when you talk about two Titans clashing on the gridiron, this 
is what we talk about. This is the two best teams in the entire league facing off in Philadelphia this coming Sunday. This truly is a chance for San Francisco to make a statement. Now, are there concerns? There always is. But I will say this. If the concerns are San Francisco, this is their Super Bowl. This is, you know, them wanting to make a statement to prove a point that whatever happens on Sunday, if they get a win, that should have happened in the playoffs last year. I'll just tell you this. Uh, If you think San Francisco is going to get up for this game, the Philadelphia Eagles have already stated after last night's win against the Bills, they're going to get up for this game. Lane Johnson, starting right tackle, the false start machine where it's never called. He has already said, I'm day-to-day, I'm going to push to play against the Niners on Sunday. Dallas Goddard, who's been out for almost a month, he said, I'm going to push to play against the Niners. Hassan Reddick, the man who hurt Brock Purdy, even said, Niners have been talking all offseason, this, that, and the other. This Sunday's the time to prove your worth, to prove your play. When the pads come on, that's when things get real. The Eagles want to quiet the Niners. The Niners want to disprove and actually prove to themselves and the world what if they do win, if they that happens on Sunday, that should have happened last year against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a momentous clash of titans. This is number one seed, number two seed, arguably the best teams in the entire NFL, the most consistent teams in the entire NFL going head-to-head at 1 o'clock, 125 on Fox this Sunday. You want to talk about uh, a game that should have been flexed? It is this one. I don't understand what in the world CBS Sports was doing, not putting Bills and Eagles on prime time. Uh, I, 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 that's not my decision. That conversation should have been had a long time ago. I don't know why Niners and the Eagles are not going to be on primetime this Sunday. If there is a game that should be on primetime, it is this one. This is playoff preview. This is NFC Championship rematch. This is potential NFC Championship game preview once again. San Francisco already won in Seattle a few years back. Or, excuse me, they won in Philadelphia a few years back. They lost last year. This is the tiebreaker, and I can guarantee it right now, San Francisco hopes... They do not have to go back there come playoff time. San Francisco wants the one seed. This is their best chance to knock off the team ahead of them, to knock them down a peg to gain a game in hopes. If San Francisco does the job, they're asking Dallas to do the same in two weeks in Dallas. This is their chance to seize the brass ring. And honestly, for the first time all year, it feels like to control their own destiny when it comes to the number one seed. Um, I want to go back a little bit to the Seattle Seahawks game because um, many fans, many non-Niner fans are pointing out how uh, I had a friend in Seattle for that game. And she said, all you have is Christian McCaffrey. And I I laughed and I said, that's all we need. (laughs) Um, You put Christian McCaffrey on the worst team. Ironically, you put him on his former team, the Carolina Panthers, I guarantee you that piss-poor 1-10 Carolina Panthers team wins at least two to three more games. That is how valuable Christian McCaffrey is. We all know how much this offense changed once he got here in San Francisco, but I'm, I'm not kidding, folks. If there was a war stat like there is in baseball for football, 
Christian McCaffrey would lead the entire league. He is the most valuable non-quarterback in the entire league. Many people want to point to Tyreek Hill having a great year in Miami, no doubt. He is going to be in the MVP conversation. He is reliant on a quarterback passing him the football. You can give Chris McCaffrey, Josh Johnson, like we saw last year in the NFC Championship game, he will run rough shot all over a Philadelphia Eagles stout defense and get you 100-plus yards and one touchdown. Chris McCaffrey this year has been the most valuable non-quarterback in the entire league. In this game alone against the Seattle Seahawks, 19 carries, a total of 24 touches, over 130 yards, two touchdowns, and because of those two touchdowns, he surpassed, should be Hall of Famer, uh, NFL Hall of Fame, fix this error in your books, in your voting algorithm, Roger Craig's rushing record for the regular season. He tied it with his 10th one, and he surpassed it with his 11th touchdown on the year, that being Chris McCaffrey, now through 11 games, the Niners' all-time rushing touchdown leader in a single season, 11 touchdowns. That's higher than Frank Gore, who had 10. Roger Craig had 10. Christian McCaffrey is on pace in just one and a half years to already be one of the greatest running backs in San Francisco 49er history, setting all kinds of records. It feels like he is the second coming of Roger Craig, and dare I say, a more explosive version of an already should-be Hall of Famer. Um, he is on one of the greatest paces ever for a player. For a running back, mind you, in a time and place where, in, in an era where running backs are so devalued, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the entire league doing MVP caliber things. The way he's able to make something out of nothing to where you think in a handful of plays in the Seattle game, I sat back and I said, man, like, well, that's going nowhere. And then cut, cut, boom. He's six yards downfield. What this man is able to do, his patience is incredible. His jump cutting is just otherworldly. What he's able to do, whether it's the A gap, the B gap, it doesn't matter what Christian McCaffrey's doing. He's always making a net positive on every single play. You get Trent Williams back. We see the offense change. You put Trent Williams leading the way for Christian McCaffrey, you are going to win 75% of your games. That's how good that duo is. Left tackle and running back. Debo Samuel in this game, a big running touchdown to get the offense flowing again. Seven carries, seven, oh, excuse me, four carries, seven touches on the ground. Uh, he had over 100 yards as well, continuing his dominance, uh, or, or close to 100 yards, continuing his dominance against the Seattle Seahawks. He gets up for the Rams. He gets up for Seattle. And I kid you not, all the talking he did this past offseason saying, if we just had our quarterback, if we just had Brock Purdy, that NFC championship game was going to be different. He is going to get up for the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday. Uh, let's talk about Brock Purdy, though. Because all the conversation this past week has been, wasn't really Brock Purdy's best game. It wasn't. Brock Purdy wasn't great in this game. Uh, Brock Purdy, uh, to me, wasn't... He was not who he had been the past two weeks, which was basically perfect, right? And it's hard to uh, do that every single week, day in, day out. 
But I thought Brock Purdy was fine in this game. And yes, there was a point where the Seattle Seahawks made a push. In fact, Kyle Shanahan said that during a halftime that they're going to make a push. Uh, he he thought the game was going to be closer. I don't love those comments, but I get it's bracing your team for when they push. Stay, stand tall, stand steady. We're going to make it through it. Now, if there is a knock on Brock Purdy, and I think it's also a knock on Kyle Shanahan, maybe you don't throw two times in a row backed up against your own end zone. I don't love that. Um, the first throw to Evo Samuel could have very easily been a pick six. The next throw tipped becomes a pick six. When you go back to the greatness of Christian McCaffrey, just run the football twice, at least run it once. McCaffrey was getting you about six yards of pop in this game. Uh, just go out there on the football, give you some space. Then if you want to throw it, that's fine. But Purdy's worst throw of the day, tipped, picked off, pick six. It gets Seattle some life, uh, but when things needed to change, when the offense had their backed up against the wall, Defense makes a stop. They have a chance to ice this game out where you sit back and say, if you score here, it's 24 to 13. You put seven up right here. This game is over. What does Brock Purdy do? He finds Brandon Ayuk in what he called a dot, which it was a dot in between four Seattle Seahawks defenders. And get this, that play Brock Purdy was supposed to take the check down. That would have happened two years ago. That would have happened with a quarterback named Jimmy G. No knock on him. Brock Purdy is just another level of quarterback who's unafraid to take shots when you need to win the game. His field vision is one of the best in the entire league. He may not have the amazing arm, although it's better than I think we all thought it was coming into the year following the injury. May not have the best arm. He's not Mahomes or Allen or whatnot. But Brock Purdy's field vision and chemistry with Brandon Ayuk is otherworldly. They are just on the same planet, on the same wavelength every time. And for Brock Purdy to step back, roll to his left, look to his right, and find Brandon Ayuk on a deep crosser in between four, yes, four Seattle Seahawks defenders right in the breadbasket in between the hands, for a touchdown, that is elite level stuff. Game on the line. You need to put it away. Brock Purdy gets it done. This kid is on a day where he was only 21 for 30, only 209 yards, threw a pick, got sacked once, and you sit back and say, where's the Brock Purdy against Tampa Bay? Where's the Brock Purdy against Jacksonville? He said, oh, he's in here. Just give me one second, then boom. Touchdown pass to win the game. This was a complete routing of the Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco now 8-3 on the year, 4-2 on the road, pushing Seattle to 6-5 on the year and also 4-2 at home. And to me, this shows, and it really has been an example of San Francisco beating up on B-tier teams. Steelers probably a C-plus team. The Cowboys, probably a B-plus team in my opinion. The Jaguars, a B-team. The Seahawks, maybe a B-minus team. This Sunday against Philadelphia is San Francisco's chance to go up there and beat an A-plus team in, in the Eagles. And dare I say, and I'm not trying to be a homer here, but the way Philadelphia is playing, dare I say San Francisco, by whether it's the Vegas odds, should be the favorite in this 
game. It's weird to say, it feels wrong to say. Look at the stats. Do stats mean everything? No. There's a reason you play the game. You look at what San Francisco has done their past three games compared to what the Philadelphia Eagles have done their past three games. You can compare opponents. I'm just talking about what they're in control of. The Niners have played a much, much better brand of football, which is why this Sunday is going to be a slugfest, a dogfight. We are going to see two Titans clash on the gridiron, whether it's freaking Zeus and Hades, whatever you want to call them. It feels like it's a match of good versus evil at the link uh, in Philadelphia. And I want to remind you right now, if you want to go to that game, if you're looking to go to that game in any means, use our promo code 49ersaccess. 49ersaccess at seatgeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. I want to take over the link in Philadelphia. Imagine that. A complete, faithful takeover. That would be the biggest statement to the NFC, to the NFL, that, hey, we are here, we are for real, and we're already a great team. They know we're a good team. There's a reason why they're guys who are injured are saying, hey, we might come back this week. We want to play this week, because they want to play in this game. They know how important this game is. And look, I don't know what was up with that game last night in Philadelphia. It felt like... How do you miss a horse call right in front of the ref? How do you miss a holding call, a DPI call on the defensive player Slay when he's holding on the digs right in front of the ref? Uh, I'm not going to say that you know, there was a fix in because that just seems irresponsible, but it felt like that in Philadelphia. Uh, there was certainly a little hometown discount going on, and, and it wasn't even that game. There was a handful of games this past Sunday that you just felt like the refs had too much uh, it's had too much impact on the game. A handful of plays swayed the Buffalo Bills and Eagles game, the Jaguars and Texans game. There were a lot of penalties this past Sunday. And you sat back and you said, man, like, is that ticky-tack? How do you miss that? It felt like the refs had too much impact on the game, uh, which really wasn't the case in the Niner game, which was weird because... You're in Seattle. You would expect, okay, it's prime time. They want to keep things clean. There was a relatively clean game for both teams. Didn't feel like the refs had an impact really at all in that game. And it was even so fairly called or even, you know, they swallowed the whistle a handful of times where Geno Smith was complaining, saying, hey, we're not getting calls. Whereas San Francisco is like, hey, thank God we're not getting calls here. It felt as if... They wanted to make sure these are two rival teams playing. The refs should have no impact in this game at all. Didn't happen in Seattle versus San Francisco, but it certainly happened this past Sunday in Philadelphia. And everyone's sitting back saying, Niners can win this game. They can come in there. Revenge would happen last year in the, in, in the playoffs. Everyone's sitting back saying, yeah, but it's Philadelphia and the refs against San Francisco. I'm hoping I'm not saying it's a fix. I'm just hoping the NFL says let these juggernauts of teams play. The best style of football is letting people play. Which one of these two behemoths can now and can withstand and outlast each other? I want to see that happen on Sunday. Not a flag or a no call here. I want to see a fairly called game. 
but let these grown men that genuinely hate each other play football. In the Seattle game, we watched Stone Foresight, great name, by the way, if you're a wrestling fan and you hear the name Stone Foresight, you're like, oh my God, I'm horrified now. But I do think that in that game, we watched Stone Foresight literally flip over Javon Kinlaw and we're like, what the heck's going on? Hey, no penalties called. They go, go to the locker room, call it a night. You're a bunch of grown men. And we've seen that happen a handful of times for San Francisco. When Trent Williams freaking smacks the Giants defender, Ashawn Robinson, they go, hey, you're grown men, hash over, go to the locker room. But uh, one thing about the whole storm, uh, Stone Foresight thing, if you're going to topple over and pick a fight with a player, maybe don't have it be Javon Kinlaw who was like 6'5", 320, and you can find him in your local park hunting squirrels. You'll see him leaving the forest with a, 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 a banner, a, a stripe, and a mouthful of squirrel tail, and you're like, who the heck is this guy at the local city park eating squirrel in the trees? And he's like, oh, Javon Kinlaw, on a defensive tackle for the 49ers. Like, what the, like, what the heck is this? Go watch the video, Google the video, Javon Kinlaw eating a squirrel. You will see a 320 pound behemoth of a man coming out of the forest with a squirrel in his mouth. If you're going to fight somebody, it's not going to be the man that doesn't care about rabies. It's not going to be the man that doesn't care about his health. All he says is, I am going to hunt squirrel. And if it's going to be a grown man fighting him. I guarantee you, he is going to have no wherewithal of my health's a concern. I can get suspended. I can get in trouble. He is not going to care. If you're going to pick a fight with anybody, don't pick it with the squirrel-eating monster of a man named Javon Kinlaw. Like, my goodness, sir. Uh, Stone Foresight, your name's great. Don't pick a fight with that person. <laughs> um, Javon Kinlaw, and look, I am 6'2", 230 pounds. I would be horrified at Javon Kinlaw. I mean, Javon Kinlaw has been going at media members his time here in San Francisco. He's been calling out people. I mean, if there is one person that has no has no awareness of repercussions, it is Javon Kinlaw. Do not attack this man. He will kill you. He will eat you like the squirrels in the forest. Like, my goodness. Um... I also thought that, again, Ambry Thomas was great in the Seattle game. Daryl Luter Jr. with a touchdown-saving special teams tackle. What a massive play that was. His first NFL career tackle in his second career NFL game. Massive, massive play. Jair Brown, his name wasn't said once. And if you're a rookie starting in your first ever game replacing Talanoa Hufunga, the last thing you want is your name said outside of the who's starting today for the Niners. Like, outside of the, you know, Jair Brown Penn State introduction, that's all you want your name said. You don't want Collinsworth and Trico saying, well, there's Jair Brown missed tackle. Now, he did whiff once, but other than that, uh, Jair Brown had a good game, kept plays in front of him, uh, wasn't an impact player, but on a defense that has Mooney Ward locking down DK Metcalf, a Deshaun Gibson playing now strong safety, then on the, the right, the, the the right side of the defense, you have Brown, Thomas, and Lenore. That's a bunch of unproven players. They are playing great, great football right now for this team. Uh, and again, uh, you go through this entire game for San Francisco, you're only going to see great things. You're only, 
only going to see great things. Uh, and in this game against Seattle this past Thursday on Thanksgiving, you hope what they were able to do in that first drive continues into the Seattle game. Nine plays, 71 yards, about five minutes, a massive 27-yard run uh, by Christian McCaffrey. You had uh, you had Purdy lighten up to Debo over uh, Bobby Wagner over the middle. Then you had Debo running for a touchdown. Uh, that was the second touchdown San Francisco had scored on the opening drive against Seattle since 2011. 2011! These teams play each other two times a year, so you just do some quick math. That's 12 years! Right? That's roughly 23, 24 games, not including playoff games. That's the second touchdown they have scored on the opening drive against Seattle since 2011. Week 4 of 2021 was the other time when Jimmy G threw a touchdown pass to Ross Dwelly. But on that first drive, San Francisco goes up 7 to nothing. That is an NFL leading 52 points on opening drives. If they can go into Philadelphia on the first drive of that game and they can put up seven points, put Philadelphia on their heels, Philadelphia is going to fight. And we'll get into this later this week. Philadelphia is going to fight. My friend Daryl the Guru Johnson, host at 95.7 The Game, Stunning Guru, texted me and said, how are the Eagles doing this? The Bills missed their chance, I said, the Bills have to withstand the second half push. Philadelphia is going to fight in every game. The second half is when they make their march, make their climb and clawing back into games, eventually winning. They've lost one game for a reason. They are a great second half team. San Francisco just can't beat them in the first half. They have to beat them in the second half too. This cannot be a, we're up 17 to 10, we're up 17 to 7, we, we, we can play conservative now and coast. You have to be aggressive. You have to want to beat Philadelphia, not wait for them to beat themselves. They are going to score. Go look at the stats. Philadelphia had basically half of the offensive plays the Bills did and scored more points. You want to know why? They're efficient and they're effective. Jalen Hurts, who... I get the INTs and fumbles are there. He may be turnover prone. If you want to go that far, you can. But in the same breath, you have to say, turnover prone, maybe, but he's an MVP caliber player, playing effective football, never afraid to take risks. He is one of the most clutch performers in today's league. You have to be able to withstand Philadelphia through four quarters. And in fact, unlike Buffalo, you have to withstand them through five quarters. The Eagles are a really good team. This is San Francisco's biggest test all year long. Uh, Fred Warner was great in this game against Seattle. Hargrave, Deshaun Gibson, Mooney Ward, Armstead, Daryl Luter Jr., even Randy Gregory was making tackles. Uh, Geno Smith threw a screen pass right to, a def or right to Charbonnet, who already had Gregory draped all over him. It was end of game. Night, night. Goodbye. Play had no chance. This game was so bad, after two drives, the Seattle Seahawks were yelling and screaming at their own players. Uh, Jawan Jennings literally carried four Seattle Seahawks defenders for a first down. You talk about third and Jawan. This man 
is a dog. D-A-W-G, all caps, dog. He's going to carry people and fight and claw. That's the mentality he has. You know, he's he's a person that has had a quote-unquote troubled history at Tennessee. He's a player that was almost cut from that team. Seventh round pick because of character issues. Uh, Juwan Jennings, he's a player, he's a person where when you look in his eyes, you go, this man has seen something, and I do not want to mess with him. Uh, if I was a Seattle defender, and I just saw my defense get run through by Jawan Jennings, I'd want to quit. In fact, because of that play, and the ones prior to it, like I said, that Tariq Woolen was going to get cooked, C-O-O-K-E-D, cooked, by this Niners defense on hitch routes, on comebackers, because this man can't tackle. He's not as good as Sauce Gardner, despite Seattle Seahawks fans wanting to say that. They benched him halfway through the game. The Niners made Seattle bench their Pro Bowl level, all pro, coming up one of the best rookie seasons for a defensive back in recent history, starting cornerback. That's how bad this game was for Seattle. He can't tackle. In fact, in this game, it may be a microcosm of this going against the Shanahan offense. He can't play. It's to a point where if Seattle plays San Francisco again in two weeks or by chance the playoffs, Tariq Woolen should not start for them. That's how bad he's played against a Shanahan, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, a Juwan Jennings, and George Kittle passing game. That's how bad he has been. I mean, my goodness, San Francisco, the disrespect to force the other team to bench their starting cornerback because he just was so good against him, to expose him as a defender... Talk about ultimate disrespect. Seahawks fans were talking about, he's a number one cornerback coming into the year. He's great. I told you coming into this week, you can pass against this team. You can run against this team. You can get whatever you want against this team. And San Francisco, by all intents and purposes, had their way. Uh, I don't want to forget about Mitch Wisnowski. This man has been phenomenal. Five punts in this game, 199 yards, three in the 20 or inside the 20-yard line. It felt like there were two drives, maybe even three, that Seattle started on their own two, five-yard line because Mitch Wisnowski has been in the bag all year long. He's a punter. You overlook them. But in a game where field position means everything, especially on Saturday against Philadelphia, you want to have your ace punter having an ace game. Against Seattle, at least, Mitch Wisnowski was house money. If it were me, maybe it's me being a homer and not looking at other teams' punter stats, because why would I? Uh, Mitch Wisnowski might lead the entire league in NFL votes for Pro Bowl. That's how good he's been this year. He's been worth every penny of his contract extension. And just, it means something when your entire team comes to play. Like, Geno Smith in this game had 27 passing attempts for only 180 yards, sacked six times, had a QBR of 15. QBR of 15. Only 10 points higher. Actually, only... Only 9.4 points higher than Debo Samuel, 
who had one pass attempt and just flipped the sucker out of bounds. That's how bad Geno Smith was in this game. He was only 9.4 point QBRs or QBR points higher than Debo Samuel who threw one pass and just gave up on the single play. That's how bad he was. I mean, it, this was an all-around route. They made what was supposed to be one of the best receiving cores in football look non-existent. The best play of the day was a Jackson Smith and Jigba one-handed catch that, for whatever reason, they're saying, on the anniversary of Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch with the one hand in the end zone, look at this one! Not even comparable. Can we stop with that? OBJ's catch was amazing. It, it, it took the NFL by storm. One of the greatest catches ever. Just because a receiver catches the ball one-handed, reaching out for a play, doesn't make it comparable. Doesn't make it on par. I can do that crap outside right now. Yes, I get it. It's the NFL. Things are hard. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, stop. There's no reason to compare those two things. Not one bit. There was a point in this game where at the end of the first quarter and even partway through the second quarter, San Francisco was outgaining Seattle 159-10. to This was a complete all-out rout. From the get-go, San Francisco had 12 first downs to Seattle's zero. Almost going into halftime, again, this was a complete overall dis destruction. Seattle's season may be over. That's how bad this was. They're banged up. They're hurt. They're not playing well. The defense isn't that good. The offense can't score points. Seattle's season might as well be over. And San Francisco has pushed them so far into the depths, they have to play Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Dallas in three games to hope they can save their season. I don't think they can. And how amazing, how sweet is that? It was as sweet as the pecan pie I had on Thanksgiving night. In fact, I had three pies. I had two pies and a cake on Thanksgiving day. Banana cream, pecan, don't say pecan. That's a bunch of BS. It is pecan pie, banana cream. And we celebrated hard after beating the Seattle Seahawks as every Niner fan should. This game felt like just a relief we knew it should have happened. We're just waiting for it to actually happen. And to see Debo Samuel, Brock Purdy, Nick Bosa, Mooney Ward, Fred Warner eating that turkey on Seattle's 50-yard line, man, that was just one of the best feelings ever. Ever. In fact, again, it's San Francisco's, what, in 40 years? In what, 50 years. It's San Francisco's first Thanksgiving Day win in 50 years. Incredible. Incredible. It blows my mind how it took that long to get it done. It happens in Seattle, but this Sunday, San Francisco, Philadelphia, they're already chirping. We're already chirping. This is the NFL at its best. Titans, juggernauts, rivals, hated rivals that have a bitter history. This is what Playoff football is all about. This is what primetime football should be about. And that is what this Sunday is going to be about. They don't like us. We don't like them. We've been waiting for it and counting down the days for week 13 since last year ended. Since the schedule release, this is about revenge. And I don't want it just once. I want it this Sunday in week 13. And if it has to happen again in the playoffs, 
I want it twice. I am a greedy, greedy man. Stay tuned for that preview podcast coming out later this week because, boy, do we have to dive into how San Francisco can knock off and pluck them feathers and enter week number two of the Bird Gauntlet and exit with the win. You already beat Seattle. You gotta beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Week two of the Bird Gauntlet coming up this Sunday. Stay tuned for that preview. Want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And as we enter in, it's Christmas time, folks. Merry Christmas. Uh, We're almost getting to New Year's. Happy New Year coming up as well. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, wonderful Christmas time. It's a time to be thankful, a time to love each other. You even got a lot of Philadelphia fans, I guess. A time to just overall enjoy our lives, be thankful for what we have. And I'll tell you now, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the San Francisco 49ers. And what I'd also be thankful for is if you would use that promo code 49ers Access. Concerts, baseball tickets, NBA tickets. Warriors are playing Sacramento tomorrow night. Go to that game and use our promo code 49ers Access. 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Also, you can follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the X for Twitter. 49ers.access is the Instagram. We are going to be talking the most trash talk all year long. We're going to be out in the Eagles, out in Philadelphia fans. This is the time. They want to talk about dirty birds. We're going to show them just how dirty we can get out here in the Bay. It is a rivalry week. Week two of the bird gauntlet. Things have just gotten real, and it's time to face the Philadelphia Eagles. I have wanted this for, what, seven months now. I cannot wait, cannot wait for this Sunday, Niners versus the Eagles. And if you can, leave a like on YouTube. And if you also could, on the podcast, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening, leave a review. Say whatever you want in the comments. Heck, you can give us what you had on Thanksgiving, your plans for Christmas, or what you plan on doing this Sunday when San Francisco takes on the Philadelphia Eagles. Give us five stars. Do not care what you put down below in the comments. And look, it's a great time to be alive. Niners are 8-3, and and they got Philadelphia on Sunday. This is what we've been waiting for all year long. You're not going to want to miss it, and you're going to want to stay tuned for this week. Later this week, Niners vs. Eagles preview pod. You do not want to miss it. With all that being said, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. My name is Sterling Bennett saying this has been the 49er Access podcast. And until next time, until later this week, when that preview pod drops, Niners vs. Eagles, stay faithful. <laughs>